Welcome to the IAB podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the IAB UK podcast, brought to you with the help of our sponsor, Spotify. I'm James Chandler, Chief Marketing Officer here at the IAB, and thank you for joining us for episode seven. If you still haven't quite recovered from the long Easter weekend, then hopefully the next 25 minutes will help you ease gently back into work mode. We're starting off by looking at those new places where digital innovation is happening with special guests, Rack Patel from Spotify and Clear Channel's Katie Jones. And as per your requests, we'll be taking two minutes to explain exactly what blockchain is, as well as sharing all the goings on at the IAB, including our preparations for Engage 2018, which is only a mere eight weeks away. Plus, our guest in the spotlight answering 10 quickfire questions about work, life and her industry hero will be Rachel Ford, CEO at Spark Foundry UK. So whether you're listening to this while on a chocolate egg burning run or you're still working through a stack of the aforementioned eggs, we hope that by the end of the episode, you'll feel inspired and informed on what's happening in digital advertising this week. When you get beyond the screens we sit in front of or hold in our hands every day, you can see digital advertising positively blossoming in countless other places. In our ears, our cars, our homes, on train platforms, in bus stops, alongside us on escalators. Away from our laptop, tablet and mobile screens, the combination of data and different contexts is fueling some amazing creative ideas and with it, new opportunities for brands. So with me today to talk about a world beyond banners, buttons and text links is Katie Jones, Commercial Innovation Director at Clear Channel International and Rak Patel, Head of UK Sales at Spotify. Welcome to you both. Hello. Hi. Um, When we think about uh, sort of traditional digital, I guess, and when I talk about that, I'm talking about laptop and mobile and that kind of thing. What what can you learn from the sort of traditional digital, if you like, when it comes to the new areas? What about you, Katie? Um, I think for me, there's three Mm. real areas um, which we should kind of learn and and I want to sort of emulate a little bit. I think the first one is um, is really around flexibility, that ability to adjust what you're serving, who you're you're targeting in a sort of near real time Mm. way, really to, to... be able to target the the right people in the right time with the right message. Mm. I think there's a second piece around accountability. Um, we heard earlier the, the theme you've had this week around um, measurement. Yeah. And that really comes into that, being transparent about who you're reaching, where and when, you know, did your ad actually play? And I think there's been a, a great focus on that in um, in the online digital space mm, in the last few years. Mm. And then I think the third one, you touched on interestingly in your inter- in introduction, but around creativity. Because um, for me, if you go back a couple of years, it was sort of like, if, if I sat through one more panel on data versus creativity, yeah, I thought absolutely. I was going to explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I think um, we've got to the point now, where I think online is doing that, that quite well. Yeah. And so I'm, uh, I want to make sure that as we move into a more automated space, we don't lose the, the amazing creative benefits that, that exist in, in the medium of out of home. Yeah. What about you, Rack? You, I mean, you've, you've, you've done both, I guess. So you're now in a company that was born digital, but you've, you know, you've worked at companies like Auto Trader as well, which is a big classified business that moved on. What sort of lessons have you learned that you might do differently now? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and even before that, so for mm. my sins, as you know, Jim, I've been in digital now for 16 years. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think there's a few things, really. It's, it's very much as um, I was just explained there in terms of... Um, uh, the evolution, right? So I think measurement is the is the critical one from my perspective. Yeah. You know, when we sort of started off, um, 
uh, and and in some ways this hasn't really evolved. You know, the the last click model yeah, or absolutely. various other forms yeah, of yeah. click through rates, etc. But I think actually as new forms of digital arise, we have a real opportunity to create what mm. is perfect. And very much to your to your answer that you just explained um, regarding you know building for the future. So you know, can we actually build measurement which focuses on brand outcomes yeah, in particular? Yeah. I think that's quite a critical thing, and not just simply around ROI, but but all the points just mentioned around viewability and ad fraud yeah. and, and brand safety. And, you know, when you think about audio, it's impossible to talk about click-through rates and exactly. cost per click. So uh, brand outcomes and things that are going to affect your business, whether that's how much you grow or share or get people to think differently about things, are, are way more important. Oh, right? absolutely. And, you know, that's that's the world that the marketeer lives in, yes. right? So, yeah, yeah. you know, where are, where are our customers and brands coming from? You know, what's what's top of their mind and the conversations that they're having with their CEO or their board, et cetera, yeah. centre around, you know, selling a product. So yeah. I think... Um, the learnings we've been able to, to you know, take over the space of the last 10, 15 years around creativity, around mm. measurement, I think those are great points, by the way, um, really support you know, how we can sort of go forward. Yeah. Uh, and Katie, I would love to get your take on this. It comes up a lot when we start to get into the whole addressable TV debate in that TV has this amazing ability to reach lots of people, create you know, uh, moments in culture. A- outdoor, in a sense, is brilliant at doing that. How do you find the balance between something above the line like outdoor and then that sort of slight transition to the point where we will be able to do, as you say, you know, right person, right place, right time with automation, programmatic, that kind of thing? I think it's kind of um, two things here, really. I think there is an inherent value in, in broadcast media. Absolutely. I think people mm. have sort of forgotten a little bit in, in recent times. And I think um, if you can think about the sort of cultural imprinting, yeah. the fact that, you know, you know that everyone else you know has seen that ad mm. in the way that just isn't possible with any other media now. You know, you can't do that following the you know fragmentation of... TV and you know the arrival of digital audio and so mm. on. So for me, um, out of home is like the last real kind of broadcast medium. Yeah. So I think there's a huge value to that. But then there's also that that the value that that, addre- that addressability has mm-hmm. of bringing that ability to um, to reach that right audience is something I think we we are doing much much more of. I think the 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 sort of the sliding scale though from sort of targeting yeah. through to personalization yeah. is is one that we sort of need to be careful on like, like if one more person you know everyone always asks me uh, you know when are we going to get to minority report yeah, yeah, yeah. um for me i think that's a long way off not from the technology perspective cause mm-hmm. it's, it's actually kind of doable, yeah. um, but really from a kind of creepiness perspective, like what's acceptable T- totally. on yeah. our streets. So I think it's 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 kind of both, yeah. right? It's inherently both broadcast and and addressable. Yeah, and you know we should point out that. The Minority Report is a slightly dystopian, nightmarish future that, that, you know, we sort of hold up there, but we don't particularly expect to happen. Yeah, I don't want my eyeballs transplanted any time soon. Slightly strange, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And do you know what? I totally... It's very strange in a lot of ways. But I totally agree with what Katie just said there in regards to um, that's full spectrum. Yeah. You know, um, yes, addressability means that you can go pinpoint and, and, you know, a lot of... Again, a lot of brands sort of did that a few years back and so on. You know, Mark Pritchard came out and yeah, talked yeah. About PNG mm. and reversing that trend as well. So you know, I think addressability, yes, absolutely, you can pinpoint, but at the same time, you can go mass as well. And I think that's the bit which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. We we talked about creativity, and I think some of the brilliant examples, actually, both in the world of audio and and in digital out of home, are this marrying of data and creativity. Um, 
Talk to us about what gets you excited about what's possible with that. I, I think it, <laughs> you sort of mentioned it earlier on about data and creativity as being the sort of buzzwords for so many, so many years, actually. Mm. What, what's, um, particularly what we've sort of done, by either brands on our platform or actually our own marketing activity, is, 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 and it's a bit of a cliche, but it's turning into an insight which makes a consumer go, wow, that's yeah. bloody incredible and really resonates. Um, the one I, I want to sort of really highlight is the 2018 Wrapped campaign there as well. And, you know, we went into um, into our data sets. We looked at what consumers were actually um, listening to. And then we created a completely uh, huge campaign using a lot of digital out of home, in fact, uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and out of home um, and, and broadcast these messages. One of the best ones we did um, was around Man's Not Hot, one of your favourite songs, Jim, that I know that you're a big fan of, <laughs> streamed 42 million times on Spotify last year. And with this huge campaign we, we sent out there around Christmas time. <laughs> Time. We wanted you to face that, actually, but uh, you know, you're, you're too expensive for us. I think um, I need to get a bit more of a handle on like, my data. How many of the plays came from him? Of quite a few, I think. He's, he's definitely he's oh, definitely hot, maybe not hot. It's unbelievable. But, um, but then uh, the flip side of that was then all our fans got to sit, you know, we, we sent them out a message saying, this is what you listen to across all of 2018 yeah, as nice. well. Right? So there's a whole personal amazing. touch. They're great. Katie, yeah, what about I mean, you? That, that Spotify campaign is a brilliant example yeah. of a brand using their own data to put something interesting out into the world, which I really, really, you know, love. And it, it works brilliantly in Out of Home because mm. you're in that environment when you're, mm. you know, thinking about playing some tunes, right? Yeah. So it, it just works. Um, I think so that's that's definitely a, a sort of highlight campaign for me from the last year. Yeah. And then on top of that, I'd probably add the work that the um, the Shop Direct group are doing through the brand Very. They've been taking their own first party data similarly, but whether that's sort of sales through their site in mm. particular um, areas, looking at the searches that people are doing online and using that to dynamically populate their out of home ads so that they're making sure that they're, they're promoting the right products in the right places. Yeah. And they um, see sort of, out of home as their presence on the high street where mm. they don't have high street stores like other brands yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. they're seeing brilliant results from that so yeah makes yeah. sense i'd love to understand how you guys are engaging with the creative community be that you know agencies or digital shops do you feel like digital still a little bit of a second thought i mean any ecd is going to say they want to create yeah. a brilliant 30 second telly ad and you want to go and watch it on a cinema screen i mean i would T- talk about your experience yeah. with the creative community I, 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 well firstly massively important to us mm. you know and um and we've been supporting, you know, the creative, um, be it the creative agencies or the whole sort of creative industry for many a year now, actually. And and through the work that we do, um, whether it's in somewhere like Cannes, where Cannes, you know, we're a big supporter of the festival uh, and have been for quite a few years now. Yeah. And that's that's important to us because it's really key that we get our message across. Same for you, Katie? I think because there's such a high favourability rating of Out of Home amongst, you know, the general public, mm. people love it. And it's such a huge canvas people get very excited about what they can can do with it um we've recently formed a creative council here in the uk um across um various different out-of-home media owners but also then creative agencies and one of the really sort of interesting trends we've seen to come out of that is that the creative community are starting to see digital out-of-home and classic paper and paste out-of-home as almost like different media paper and paste you know you, you classic inventory you can get this huge reach across the UK in a way mm. that you know we've talked about just isn't possible through other media at the moment um, but through digital out of home you have that real time element where you're able to play with the data and then to you know playing with the data to make your campaign more relevant yeah. and 
to the audience that's in front of it at that moment. And mm. then that resonates more with them, right? They get d- deeper memory encoding. Yeah. They feel the ad rather than sort of think it. Mm. And they're much more likely to take action. So I think um, I really like that idea of, you know, m- not all out of home is the same, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. different types for different things. And they're, they're both valid. And we know from all the, the brilliant IPA stuff, uh, the Binet and Field stuff, you know, emotional rec- messages are far more powerful than rational ones. There's all that mm. stuff that comes into it. Do, just on the paper and paste stuff, do you think you'll get to a place where all out of home will be digital as kind of standard and it's up to you whether you put a static in it or, or something else? You sort of think about some of the predictions you see, you know, by 2020, X amount will be. Um, what do you think? Do we get to a place where everything you see as out of home has been converted to digital? Um Certainly not by 2020. Yeah. Not, <laughs> no, for a I prediction, mean, just something. For me, uh, <laughs> classic, um, classic out of home has yeah. uh, really has a has a role. Uh, those panels you see in the street, uh, the digital ones, are incredibly expensive to put mm. in. It's disruptive, you know, digging up the pavements and, <laughs> and putting in electricity and yeah. so on. Um, so um, I don't want to give you. I'm, I'm going to dodge the question Brilliant. of a of a forecast. What I what I do think is interesting though is if you talk about digital trading, yeah, um, because. We, um, I can, I can give you a forecast for digital trading um, in the UK. I want to have a hundred percent of my inventory ready to trade digitally, both across the digital inventory and the classic paper and paste inventory by yeah. twenty twenty wow. in the UK. And so, I think, you know, even if you're not running a digital ad, why would you not automate the the trading? Why would you not use data to plan yeah. your paper and paste campaign? So, digital trading one hundred percent. But uh, digital inventory, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a mix for a very, very long time. And, and it probably makes sense, right? Um, so final question for you both to finish with. Uh, I want to hear something that you are excited about within your specialism. One sentence answer. So something you're excited about and the thing that you think might be being overhyped. Rack. The resurgence of audio, yeah. come on, love it. When, it. Does it. when does it come <laughs> out of? When does it come out of being resurgence? Yeah. It's just, it's just incredibly exciting. Proliferation of audio, whether it's speakers in home, you know, everyone's trying to get a piece they of are, it at yeah, the moment. Yeah. They really are. Mm. Uh, so that's incredibly exciting. Overhyped. So we're in the ad industry. Everything's overhyped, right? That's just that's just part and parcel. Um, so I think it's more about when things come to fruition, where maybe we overhype things around, you know, when it'll land and when it'll be really sort of big. I haven't referenced blockchain yet, okay. but I think perhaps. Oh uh, come on! Interesting. And KD. So um, I mean, for me, I'm I'm really excited about all the things which are getting overhyped, uh, like quote unquote overhyped. I don't think they are. I mean, I think for me, the thing I'm most excited about is um, is the rise of omnichannel. Um, you know, I think it's going to transform the way that people are are, are planning and um, buying, running, optimizing their media. Mm. Right? As soon as you get to a point where you've got a single platform and you've got your um, your outdoor in there alongside your digital audio, Absolutely. alongside yeah, you know yeah. your mobile, your your desktop, your standard what do you call them banners and buttons and, and text bits. Love our banners and buttons. Yeah. <laughs> um, got my career on that actually. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, banners but, and buttons. but once you've got everything <laughs> in one platform, you can see how if you dial one bit up, dial one Absolutely. bit down. Yeah, yeah. It influences all the others. That's where we get to that that sort of that sweet spot of being able to run the the right kind of campaign. Yeah. So so that's what I'm probably most excited about. Um, I think 
overhyping. I see. I'm. 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 You're pro overhyping. I can tell. The hype. We don't mind that on the IBUK podcast. (laughs) I like the hype. Um, Thank you both so much for joining us. Um, It was illuminating, genuinely, to to hear what you had to say about both your specialisms. So thank you, Rack. Thank you, Katie. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. At the IAB, our raison d'etre is to help make the complex simple. So every episode in this part of the podcast, we take one big complex issue and dissect it fully before presenting it back as a perfectly formed two-minute summary. This week, we're talking blockchain. And here to explain exactly what it is and how it relates to digital advertising is John Markwell from our industry initiatives team at the IAB. Welcome, John. Hello. So you run our Future Trends group. You're involved in loads of the other working groups as well. Blockchain is something that comes up? It's coming up. It's got uh, people having pros and cons about it, but it's coming up a lot and something worth talking about. All right, let's, um, let's get straight into it then. In a nutshell, what is blockchain? So blockchain is basically a distributed digital database that can be added to, but it can't be amended. Um, And the key to it is that it's distributed, which means that rather than one sole organisation having control and visibility of the database, uh, copies of it are shared across the network. Um, So putting it into context, financial context is the easiest. Uh, If I go into a store and I want to buy Buzz Lightyear, because Toy Story is my favourite thing in the world, (laughs) uh, I want to buy it from Disney Store... um, Disney will have to check with my bank if the money is in the account and they that's basically the bank will tell them it is and mm-hmm. the transaction go and the bank will update that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on blockchain, um, rather than going to a bank, they're going to a network of people, uh, computers, uh, who have uh, copies of the database and they all have to verify that uh-huh. it makes sense. And if there's any fraudulent activity or if it doesn't make sense, then someone will flag it. And what specifically does it mean for our industry for digital advertising? So one of the main conversations at the IAB Leadership Summit earlier this year was mm-hmm. uh, the issues of trust and transparency. Yeah. Um, and I think b- what blockchain can do is provide a layer of transparency over the digital supply chain, uh, which is obviously really complex. Um, and it, what it basically means is that all the data and all the information, all the fees that are involved are all disclosed. So advertisers and publishers know exactly what's going on and any third parties not bringing any value uh, can be eliminated. Uh, Truth and Guardian uh, have have mm-hmm. uh, kind of proven it works in their partnership, and IBM and Unilever are, are looking yeah. are working together. Um, so, you know, block these big companies are, are talking about it. So, blockchain is here and it's uh, ready to yeah. ready to change things. Absolutely. And if you're listening to this, how can you find out more? Um, so, there's lots of places. Uh, BBC's got some quite interesting content. It, uh, Wired as well. Uh, the IBUS yeah. have a little bits of content, um, and there are a lot of white papers from various companies. Uh, Bitcoin white paper is really interesting, uh, and some consultancies like Tatar have some, and kind of put into perspective how blockchain can really revolutionise our industry and many mm. other industries as well. Amazing. So there's loads of places to find it. Yeah. Thank you very much, John. If you want to find out more about any of the topics we cover in this part of the podcast, visit the dedicated Jargon Buster on our site by going to iabuk.com forward slash Jargon Buster. This week, we've been focused on measurement and hosted our first ever dedicated measurement town hall. We've also been gearing up for Engage 2018, which will take place on the 7th of June in Engage's spiritual home, The Barbican in London. So it makes perfect sense that I'm joined by Hannah Bewley, who runs everything measurement-shaped at IAB UK, and our CEO, John Mew. Welcome to you both. Hello, James. Hi. When we talk to advertisers, agencies, media owners, publishers, whoever, 
about their priorities when it comes to digital advertising. Measurement is consistently up there as number one or two, isn't it? The thing they come to us and ask us to help them with. Yes, it definitely is. And we actually did a survey amongst advertisers last year um, and they said that the biggest challenge to investing more budget in digital is actually uh, measurement. Mm. So it really is a key issue that the IAB are keen on tackling. Yeah, and I guess the thing with measurement, there is no uh, one thing or definition that everyone agrees on either. No, and that was one of the things that I wanted to do as soon as I started in the role is to start to unpick the term measurement. Mm. Um, it encompasses so many different things. It's really broad. Yeah. Um, so just to unpick the different areas so that we could tackle them. Yeah. So you've been talking to advertisers via the survey you've talked about. Um, you had the first town hall as well. Um, how did that go? Yeah, it was really good. It was great mm. to get so many people across the industry who've got an opinion on measurement together. Um, so it was really just to share the results of the survey and talk about what the big issues were for advertisers um, and then to brainstorm some ideas about how we were going to tackle some of those issues. Yeah, nice. So there'll be more to come. We're going to have to get Definitely. you back on at some point to tell it's us more. It's just the start. Perfect. Um, John, Engage 2017 is barely... Uh, a distant memory. It feels like it was only yesterday, yet we are already in full speed for 2018. Excited? Very excited. Mm. We've moved the date. Uh, so normally we do engage uh, in October or November. Mm. This year it's on the 7th of June um, because this year we're launching our non-ference event, yes. which is at the end of November. Um, so uh, we, we have to keep reminding ourselves that it's earlier, <laughs> but we're 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 very much organised. We, we we've got a, an amazing lineup. Mm. Um, it's a tough act to follow. Twenty seventeen engage because yeah. um, you know with the Chem Four session, we created a lot of uh, buzz. I think around it. Yeah. Um, well, everyone will be real this time, probably, won't they? I I think we we've only got real people as far as <laughs> bonafide speakers. Yes. But but yeah, we've got, we've got some great people talking. We we we've announced I think about half of our speakers, and the mm. other half we'll announce next week. Um, but we've got people like Claire Enders uh, speaking, who obviously runs Enders Analysis. Mm. So she she always gives a really great insight into what's happening in the media world. Polly Curtis, who's the editor in chief of the Huffington Post, who's recently joined there. Um, Lucy Jameson, the founder of oh, Uncommon, she's always yeah. yeah enjoy listening to her. Um, and their slightly different take on uh, how brands sh- should operate. Um, and Tom Goodwin's coming over from the states. And if, I think if you if you do nothing else after this podcast, <laughs> ov- obviously get a ticket for Engage, but also follow Tom on on social media. Um, he's incredible he's, on LinkedIn. Yeah, he, yes, he is, um, and looks after innovation at Zenith over yeah. in the states. And and um, he's just a very interesting character to. Um, to kind of listen to his views, always very provocative. Yeah. Uh, I've not actually seen him speak, so I'm really looking forward to it. You, you will not come out of that auditorium in the Barbican um, not knowing whether you agree or disagree with him. You will violently be yeah. one or the other, which I think is brilliant. He's yeah. got that brilliant skill. Uh, and, of course, we've got um, Steve Bartlett as well, who yes. founded uh, Social Chain, so he, he'll yeah. be amazing as well. Um, so tickets are on sale now. You can get 100 quid off if you book in the next couple of weeks. So... Get out there and book some tickets. That's right. It's an early bird offer. Yeah. Half price for members. Free if you're a brand or an agency. So, yeah, book up. Nice. Um, we should talk about the Easter break that's just gone. So, in an Easter-themed finish for you both, and we'll start with you, Hannah, uh, the best ever Easter egg you've given or received? 
It was probably one that my nan made when I was a kid. Okay. Um, she used to make them for all the cousins. Oh. Um, but I was, as I was the smallest, I used to get the smallest egg. They were proportional to your to own size. size. Yes. That's very nice. Um, have you had any sort of life-sized egg <laughs> story? Sadly, no. no. I can't. I, I, I don't have any... Any egg stories that are as sort of heartwarming as that, I think. But I, my, my, my overwhelming feeling with Easter eggs is just <laughs> disappointment. It's, a, it's a, such a like, happy time of year. I know, but... but they're not like they used to be, right? <laughs> I, cream eggs, number one, are smaller. They've wow. definitely got smaller this year. Yeah. Um, and just in general, so that the upside now, I think, is Easter eggs are cheaper. But they used to be like the chocolate used to be much thicker and they always used to have yeah. loose sweets on the inside. Like not in a packet on the sides, you know, they were in the middle. You could shake the egg and they'd be in there. That was, I just don't feel like, you know, you always get that now. Incredible. So. I mean, what an upbeat finish to, um, <laughs> yeah. to, to think of Easter. So thank you. Thank you, John Mew. Thank you very much for joining us. It's great to hear how you're cracking on with Measurement, Hannah, and Engage is just weeks away. So thank you both. Thank you, John. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you. One thousand two hundred. It's an even composite number composed of three prime numbers multiplied together. But you don't have to be a maths genius to know that it's also the number of member organisations that make up IAB UK. So every week we choose a champion and invite somebody from a different member organisation to spend one minute answering as many of our ten quickfire questions as they can. This week we were invited to Spark Foundry's plush Turnmills HQ in central London. This is what unfolded. So we're down at Spark Foundry with UK Chief Executive Rachel Ford. Thanks for having us, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. I'll ask you 10 questions. You've got 60 seconds to get through them all. Are you ready? I'm ready. Start the clock. The biggest or proudest change you've made in your company? Oh, God. Um, well, I suppose when I started my uh, role here as was Medivest, I bought a huge neon sign from God's Own Junkyard, which had change written on it. So I'd say that is the biggest change um, I've ever made in this company. You're stranded on a desert island. What one item would you bring with you? My family. Chorizo or chorizo? Chorizo. I have Spanish au pairs, of course. I have to say chorizo. Uh, favourite Cockney slang phrase? Oh, Ruby Murray, love a curry. What's your favourite Instagram filter? Oh, I'm all natural. Hashtag no filter. <laughs> Who's your industry hero? Oh, got to say Flinty. We love Flinty. Uh, how do you keep up to date with the latest trends? Well, I've got to say, you know, the Spark Foundry's one to watch. And of course, to Gideon, the campaign breakfast mm. briefing. Uh, make a model of your first ever mobile phone. Oh, God. Uh, Nokia 3310, the one with the snake? Yeah, nice. Uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, or mixed reality? Oh, I'm always mixed. One foot in the real and one foot in the unreal. And finally, what one item in your house would you want to be a connected device? Can I say my husband? No. <laughs> I won't say my husband. Uh, my, I'd say my almost teenage daughter. Um, and I'd always know where she was at all times. That's your 10 questions in 60 seconds. Thank you very much, Rachel. Thank you very much. And that brings us to the end of episode seven. Thanks again to our sponsor, Spotify, and thank you for listening. We hope it's been a worthwhile 25 minutes, even if all you've learned is that Rachel Ford loves a Ruby Murray. We'll be back in two weeks, where we'll have a stellar panel of guests to debate whether or not digital advertising can ever be 100% brand safe. Don't forget, Engage 2018 tickets are now on general sale, and you can save £100 if you book before the 13th of April. 
Where else can you get the pleasure of Tom Goodwin, Polly Curtis, Steve Bartlett, Claire Enders, Simon Gosling, the brilliant Lucy Jameson, and many more speakers for under 400 quid? Exactly. Lots of people have asked us how they can support the podcast. Well, you can absolutely do that by subscribing and rating us wherever you get your podcasts from. Doing those two things makes a huge difference to how easily others can find the podcast. So thank you to everyone who already subscribes. And don't forget to tell friends, colleagues and loved ones who you think would enjoy it too. And in the meantime, as ever, if you want more information about what the IAB does or how you can get in touch with us, find us online at iabuk.com or at iabuk on Twitter and Instagram. The IAB Podcast from SNK Studios.